Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I'm joined by Thomas. What's going on, everybody? And we have Scott. What's up, nerds? I want to throw Scott under the bus real quick. He's currently 50 minutes, 53 minutes late for our recording because he was <laughs> napping too hard. <laughs> He's bringing uh, that midnight oil. I'm, uh, I, I'm usually on time for everything, and then uh, I totally forgot when I went to bed last night, didn't set an alarm, and now I'm uh, I'm the bad guy. Yep, officially <laughs> the bad guy. Um, all right, guys, we're going to be starting off with our question of the week. What is your favorite geek memorabilia? Thomas, what do you got? Because I know Scott, like, basically said he ain't got none. So, what do you got, Thomas? <laughs> so, I think for me... My few prized possessions now, I have, you know, a massive collection of pop sockets. I haven't been able to display them like you have, Frank, like beautifully in the background because my wife doesn't want those publicly displayed. It makes (laughs) sense. But the other thing is we have our guest bedroom and it's like the nerdiest place in my house. But I have Mm -hmm. all these Marvel posters in there. I have like classic images of comic books, but I also have two signed posters. One is from the full cast of Avengers. I got Samuel L. Jackson on there, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., all that stuff. And Stanley's on there, which I'm like so stoked about. And then the other thing was I have a signed Ragnarok poster from Taika. And I think those are like my two prized possessions that I get to display. And uh, yeah, I feels, it feels, feels nice to have those. that Taika poster. That's just that's outstanding. That's so cool. Um. <laughs> Yep, confirming on Twitter, Naras slash Scott of Geek Freaks. I don't really invest in memorabilia. I just buy books. So, yeah. Yeah, what's your books. favorite book that you've Who's bought? The nerd Let's go now. with that for you. Oh, my favorite. I mean, okay. Actually, I have. I do have two things, and I can show them to you. Okay, boom. Here we go. This Let's is for go. the video watchers at home. He's running, guys. He's running quickly. I have this wand. Ooh. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I actually have a Voldemort wand, but you know we're, that's not my favorite possession. So this, this is from a place called a Wizard Wizard Quest, okay. at Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, which is like a little tourist town, basically, right? Like they have water parks and just tourist trap stuff. But mm-hmm. this Wizard Quest place was actually really really cool, um, and and you like have this little tablet, you know, that you have, and they've got this uh, this indoor you know, this building with just this whole indoor setting uh, where they've built like a fantasy world, you know, with just practical effects and, and, and built like props and stuff. And it's like, you have these little quests you can do and you're like trying to find mysterious items. There's secret passageways. It was a lot of fun. My favorite memorabilia is um, Superman wedding album came out like 95. It was my very first comic book. And so it's one of them. I don't know. You guys can kind of see. I have comic books mounted to this wall. Yeah. And it's some of my favorites. Punisher versus like the what if or Punisher kills Super- uh, Spider-Man. Uh, but one of them on there is the Superman wedding album. My favorite one is or it's my very first comic book. It's one of my favorites. And um, it blew me away because like, I bought it when I was a kid, like just knowing, hey, this is I told my parents, like, this is going to be a clear decision someday. And that's just like how I bought comic books in the beginning. And like halfway through the book. Superman's talking about like how he's stressed out about his wedding and taking the day off of not so much about the wedding part, but taking a day off of protecting Metropolis. 
And mm-hmm. Batman says, don't worry, we got you covered. And all the heroes of DC protect Metropolis for one day so he can go get married. And it's just this really cool flyover shot of Batman talking to Superman. And you just see like, like Green Lantern and everybody flying over them, like patrolling Metropolis so that Superman wow. can take the day off. And it was like, that's, that's cool. It's such a cool double-sided page. It's really awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's in that comic. Uh, we're going to be starting Geek Chats again. We had this during The Mandalorian. They're starting this Friday. Thomas, this is your baby, man. Tell us all about Geek Chats and what to expect. Yeah, so I don't know if we've set on a day yet, but what it is is after we watch Secret Invasion or whatever the new show, but it is going to be Secret Invasion, we want to chat with you guys. So this is an open forum for all of the people who are fans of the show or just want to talk about geek news every day. The floor will be yours and we'll set up the space. You just come join us. It's going to be on Twitter. Uh, Yeah, sorry if you don't like Twitter, don't have it. We can find other options, but you have to message us on Twitter to let us know you want a different option. And it's going to be the same time every day. I believe we're going to be looking for Fridays, uh, kind of mid-morning-ish Pacific Standard Time. If there's another time that works better for majority of people, we'll figure it out. But as of right now, we're thinking, yeah, Fridays, 11 a.m., just spitballing here. We'll send out a message yeah. on all the social media. But That's what uh, the graphic said that I made, so I'm going with that one. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, cool. Let's go with that, yeah. Perfect. Um, come and join us, guys. It will be focused on Secret Invasion, and at that point, you have enough time to be avoiding spoilers. But we'll also talk about other geek culture stuff that happens that week so it's just a good time to come in and voice your opinion and and just hang out with us and it helps us kind of form what we're going to be uh doing moving forward let's head over to our quickies first off christopher lloyd carrie elways stalker channing and a few more are joining the knuckles cast this is for paramount plus it's going to be a series it's going to be taking place between sonic 2 and 3. Carrie Elways, I'm glad that he's getting back into the acting game because Princess Bride's amazing. And I miss him from like classic 80s movies. So it'd be good to have him back. Yeah, that cast is stacked. And it's it's for like a Knuckles movie. Like, yes, I guess we do need some backstory there because they don't give you a lot of it in Sonic 2. But it's like, how are they going to interact with Knuckles? I mean, that's an insane cast and kind yeah. of on the older side, too. So it's going to be interesting. I'm gonna, I'm curious to see what they do with that. Even more so, it's a series, not even a movie. It's just a Paramount Plus direct series with Idris Elba still. Like, he's still playing <laughs> Knuckles in this. Right. So, yeah. It's pretty crazy how expensive this show is going to become all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Superman and Lois, which, Thomas, you've watched this show quite a bit. They cut seven of their cast members. They're going to be promoting Michael Cudlitz, who's going to be their Lex Luthor. He, he popped up in the last season. But he, they're promoting him to a season regular. But they're cutting seven others. And a lot of this is because CW is trying to go, like, adult mode and ditch the superhero thing which is a shame because it's kept the doors open for 10 years it's gonna be weird like yeah. i'm not gonna say it's gonna be bad until i see it but some of those people they've built a lot of big storylines around those characters and some of them you know i think have become fan favorites so it's gonna be interesting to see what the show is like without those characters in it mm-hmm. uh but you know give the people what they want too. like more people want to see Lex Luthor versus Superman. So yeah, I mean, I guess if they're going to go all into that, really build a nice, cool story around <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I, it could work. I hear that they're going to be scaling back on the kids too, but nothing official yet. It's going to be focusing more on the two on actual Superman and Lois, which is a shame because the premise of the first season was like, we have kids and they're opposites of each other and stuff like that. 
Totally. And then one gains powers and one doesn't. Oops. Spoiler alert for the first season, but you've had a lot yeah. of time, you know, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> my bad, my bad. But I, I honestly really dig this show. Uh, the, the guy who plays Superman is fantastic. He is. The, uh, the special effects are really damn good. It's definitely a step above the Arrowverse and Flash. I, I, I mean, even Supergirl, I think the special effects in Superman wow. Lois is better. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not hating on it. I actually liked a lot of Supergirl, but uh, the Superman Lois is, is definitely feels like a next level. So, yeah, yeah I, I would say if you really have to Superman out, too. Like he does a hell of a oh, good job portraying him. Oh, yeah. He's he's by far one of my favorite on screen Superman ever. Like, no, I wouldn't say above Henry Cavill, but he's definitely up there. I think I have Brandon Roth as my favorite, which uh, interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a small I, fan, I did like that, like cult fan favorite of his. And then when he went to join uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, he was in the Arrowverse or Arrow first, but then he went to Legends of Tomorrow, and right. uh, he was just so cool in Legends of Tomorrow. And there was like one part where he did play Superman for a bit again. Yeah, like, that yes. was that was cool. That was a cool <laughs> nod to his past. I like that. Yeah, uh, we have Disney announces some major changes to the release schedule amidst the WGA strike and some production delays and stuff like that. So some of the big changes, of course, is that like Deadpool is the only one moving forward. We're going to be getting that in May third now. But all Ooh. the other ones are being delayed by a few months, except for both Avengers movies are getting pushed back a year. Uh, Kang Dynasty is going to be 2026 now. Secret Wars 2027. Also affected are the Avatar movies and Star Wars movies. With uh, we're In 2026, we're going to have two Star Wars movies now. Avatar 5, which just sounds gross to say something so big, is coming out <laughs> in 2031. Oh my God, I'm going to be ancient. This is because of the WGA strike and just, but I also kind of like personally, I kind of think this is might be good because I think with the recent phase four doing with Jonathan major situation, we might need to kind of slow things down with the Marvel world anyways. And this might be kind of a blessing in disguise. Thomas, what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. Uh, when I saw it, I'm like, dang, you know, I, I was a huge MCU fan. Uh, I love all the movies uh, like most of the shows. But I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff Marvel needs to figure out in the next year. Uh, you know, a lot of actors kind of in some hot water recently. Mm -hmm. VFX, you know, were being complained about all through phase four. Uh, nothing seemed to connect, uh, which was, you know, there's still a lot of time to do that. And now we have even more time. So they get to put a little bit more care, a little bit more thought into each show, each movie. I think it's I think it truly is a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I hope that I know we're changing writers on King Dynasty and I think for Secret Wars as well. So obviously they saw there was an issue and had to address it. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry, Jeff, love this. But like, hey, man, you know, Ant-Man uh, just seemed to be not it. It was, just, you know, it sucked. If I'm being honest, like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that was just a bad movie. <laughs> After yeah, watching yeah. RRR, like, why can't you guys just make that again for us, please? Right. It just like. It just wasn't personal to Ant-Man. And I think that's the thing. Yeah. Like Chris Hemsworth has spoken up even about Thor Love and Thunder recently. He and he was like, yeah, I admit it was a little too silly. It's just bring it, bring it back to the stakes need to be real and make it personal to the heroes. You know, like there was no true connection to Thor and Gore other than he was a god. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. So and to I guess he wanted his Chris weapon. Marks, he said, I'm not coming back until Thor is a different character. And... Well, I mean, like, if you read the Donny Cates Thor, which they're going to be, we heard uh, Spider-Man 2's Venom, the game Spider-Man 2, which we're going to be talking about in a second, is going to be a, 
apparently leaning in on the Donny Kate storyline. So if they start leaning in on that kind of stuff, then Thor can be elevated to such an amazing character who has to deal with like, what's it like to be a ruler and how does that change my identity and, and trying to live underneath my father's shadow, stuff like that, which I, I mean, it's just such a good storyline and it's the second half of Thor's biggest storylines that, and always trying to be worthy for Mjolnir. Um, so hopefully we, we get something like that soon. Yeah. And we should link to our short interview that we got to do with Donny Cates at LA comic-con. We will. So yeah. yeah, we'll figure out a way to show that to everybody as well. I'll link it. will be in the description. I'll make sure. And I'll put a time code for it too. Um, and he lets us know the character he wants to write for. So yeah, you got to follow up. That's called a teaser folks. Enjoy the <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Teasing me. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously there's been some lights, you know, there's been some decent stuff, but yeah, they've just been kind of flailing around since, you know, since Endgame. you know, after that last Avengers movie really just felt very directionless. Um, and yeah, we've seen some quality seems to suffer. Uh, like I just didn't bother with She-Hulk, not for the normal complaints, but just because every time I saw a clip or a trailer, the CGI of She-Hulk just looked so bad. I was like, I don't know yeah. if like, I, like, I just don't want to watch that. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's nothing against She-Hulk or, or anything about the comics. Like I was kind of interested and I probably will watch it eventually, but it just looked so bad. And I just expect better of Marvel, which I'm sure some of the people out there, the Marvel haters are like, uh, they were never any good, but I think they were. Uh, yeah. I, I really like up to end game. You know, there were some missteps along the way, but everything was overall pretty, pretty fun to watch. So we'll see with these delays. I know that it was kind of a shock when it first came out, myself included. I started ranting a little bit, but uh, I think, again, it'll, it'll end up working out for us. Let's keep that in mind. Going into Venom for Spider-Man 2, they have confirmed it will not be Eddie Brock, which is kind of a surprise, right? My question for you guys is, who do you think it can be? I'm going to throw out, we already seen images that it's not him, but what if it's Miles Morales? And we know that Miles is fighting Venom at one point, but what if, because we see the symbiotes changing Spider-Man, and so what if in trying to save Spider-Man from the symbiote, Miles gets it on him, who has the electric abilities, and might like enhance the symbiote even further? I don't know. I would just think that would be like a cool storyline to see. What do you That'd guys think? That'd be sweet. I want, yeah. yeah, I don't know if they'll do that. I mean, I think that would be super cool, but Miles is such an awesome hero right now. And obviously his like stardom is like rising. His popularity yeah. is rising. I don't know if they'll go that route, but I think if anything, we got the teaser for Craven. I could see Craven getting the symbiote suit because that he still looks so like nuts. a buff, you know, a buff Venom. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd be down with that. And, it, and we have comic basis for that as well. I don't remember that in the comics. That happened in the comic? Yeah, briefly. Briefly. Okay. I don't remember how long it was or how long that run was, but I, there was some images that have popped up from the comics of Craven wearing the symbiote suit. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's tight. That'd be pretty cool. That does make a lot of sense, too, because then, because that's the other question I have for you guys is the first half of the game is going to be versus Craven. It looks like second half versus Venom. So maybe during the final fight with Craven, you lose the symbiote suit and it gets onto him, and all of a sudden he starts getting empowered by the rage that's inside Craven. Uh, from losing his first hunt, that would be really awesome. That would be a cool yeah. way to go. Oh, yeah. Any other thoughts for who could be the new Venom? So is this the for the video game or for the... Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, um, 
I don't know. I haven't. I, I didn't play the first game, and I'm. We gotta fix I'm it. A, I'm, I'm about to buy that game for you because you need to play that so much. <laughs> oh, it's so and good. I'm, and I'm not it's a so comic good. book guy, and I don't even really remember. I think there was a Spider-Man TV show, but I don't remember watching much of it. So, you know, this is not my cup of you know my cup of tea. Not any hate towards Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. I just wasn't really exposed to it. Um. You know, so I don't know. Gwynnum is Gwynnum an actual thing, or is it just a cosplay thing people like to do? Wait, it would be an interesting way to introduce Gwen. Yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden, like, we didn't know that Gwen was going to be in the game, and then all of a sudden it ends up being Venom, <laughs> and just, like that would be such a crazy way to yeah, introduce Gwen. Yeah. 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 No, I don't know. I I feel like they're trying to build up Miles Morales to like be the new Spider Man almost. Um. So. Uh, it could be an interesting storyline for him, but I, I guess, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, they already have you playing Spider-Man as, you know, with a symbiote suit. So I don't know if they would just be like, now you're playing as Miles Morales, the Venom character, you know. Um, I'm hoping yeah. that in the expansion on this, we get to play as Venom. I think that would be fun to play as Venom because I know like we got to play as Miles as basically the expansion to the first one. And if we could play as Venom, maybe even playing through the story again, but in Venom's suit would be really cool. Or maybe actually even better than that, I'm saying this, you know, top of my head is maybe if it is Craven and then Venom gets on Eddie Brock, who's taking pictures of this big fight with the, you know, and he becomes the new character and reigns him in. Like, I think that would be fun. I just think that now, especially going back to the Donny Cates of it all, Venom is far less a bad guy. And I know Squeaks is going to hate that when he hears that. Venom is far less a bad guy now than he ever has been. He is now an anti-hero. And to some degree, he's just a straight-up hero. So, Absolutely. Um, the the all-out carnage run, more. I think it was called. Uh, yeah, Venom and Spider-Man team up. And it's such a cool comic. And yeah. yeah, it's, you know, the partnership you would not expect in a way, but it just works so well. I, I can see at the end of the game... You know, if it is Craven, which that's kind of the way I'm leaning, mm -hmm. then it leaves Craven after they defeat him and it finds Eddie Brock, who through the story and through Spider-Man, Peter Parker, kind of being a little bit more angry that we see all in the trailers, like the Venom uh, is taking over and he's becoming, you know, uh, the guy that we saw from the movies or, you know, it just kind of brings out the worst in you. I can see he pisses off Eddie Brock during the game and then at the end, Venom finds Eddie Brock and boom, they combine because of their hate for Spider-Man for Peter Parker. Now they want to take him down. So I could see that ending. Plus we get a little bit of the powers with Peter Parker in the Venom suit. So it, it's going to be awesome. I, I cannot wait for this game. It's yeah. like, I think this is the game I'm looking forward to the most this year. Probably at this point, I think for me as well, I want to give a quick shout out to over on uh, headlines, which is our show that also airs on TikTok. The comment section has been thinking it's going to be Flash Thompson, and they've been discussing that, and they all kind of agree Ooh, that it's Flash Thompson. It's going to get it. That's, so that we really haven't good. seen Flash Thompson, I don't think, in the game yet. Not yet, no. But it would so be a good time to introduce him. Is like, just like they did with um, what's her name, like Chief Yon or something like that. The cop that you're helping right. becomes a bad guy or vigilante. Mm -hmm. This could be like, oh, hey, there's this kid at school that I'm working with or whatever. All of a sudden, he becomes a bad guy by the halfway point of the game. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Uh, moving into James Gunn, he's addressing Blue Beetle, a question we've all had. This is a quote from him in an interview we had with the Inside of You podcast. I mean, the first DCU character for sure is Blue Beetle, and the first full DCU movie is Superman. Now, 
this kind of surprised me because I thought Superman is going to be the beginning of the DCU and we're not going to carry anything forward. And I kind of still want that. But Blue Beetle, I guess this means that it doesn't touch any of the rest of the DCEU. And I'm wondering, okay, if you're going to bring Blue Beetle forward, who's he going to team him up with? I don't think he really fits anywhere with anything that's currently planned. Can you guys think of anything? I don't know, you know how big he is in comics, but certainly not a name you hear right. uh, very often, if at all. Uh, you know, we saw him once, I think, in, in Smallville, like one episode. Um, yeah. You know, so... I mean, props for trying something different, you know, because I'm always saying I wish they'd start with something besides Superman and Batman. That's what we always do. Yeah, I, you know, could be interesting. And Blue Beetle, I guess. I guess there's no telling what they can bring into that series to tie it into other things. I, we know that we're getting a Booster Gold show. So there at some point is a tie in there. Plus, he's he's been adjacent to the Justice League before. I think with the brave and the bold coming out and depending on the age of those characters, there's a way that they could bring him in there along with a young Superman. I mean, uh, we don't know how the timeline's going to shake out in the DCU and yeah. I haven't seen the new, like, I saw the flash, but only the early preview. I didn't see the post credit scene. So depending on how the flash works, I think that's really going to shape how the DCU moves forward with new characters. And yeah. by all accounts, Blue Beetle looks awesome. I'm glad you brought this up. We're going to keep this spoiler free, of course. And we have a full review for Flash over on Challenge Accepted. Go check that out. But knowing what you know from the Flash, and, and, and from these comments, it sounds like Flash is actually not going forward. I kind of thought they were going to use Flash still in the DCU. It sounds like they're completely ditching it. Do you think that Flash ended the DCU? Well, we have Aquaman as well. The DCEU will. For me, based on what I saw and they said before the early screening, this is not the final cut. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it okay. leaves the door open for all kind of newness in the universe. And if it stops here, that's fine. But it also it leaves the door open for other universes that may exist. And yeah, maybe we maybe we're not in the DCEU anymore. Uh, I think it works. Okay. Yeah, I like I'll that just, idea. Yeah. I like the idea that like Snyderverse is a different universe that we don't have to visit again or something like that if we don't want to. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I I did I forgot about the Booster Gold series. I think it would be interesting for them to immediately attach him to Blue Beetle because that's when they're really awesome. Is when Blue Beetle mm. and Booster Gold are together. That is such a cool combo. So I'm excited for that all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, and the Robbie Reyes with sorry, Robbie Reyes is a Marvel. Um, Jaime Reyes. Uh, Blue Beetle like, that they're going with is young. So, I mean, there's an opportunity to introduce him to some of the Titans. And if we're yeah. going to uh, Brave and the Bold with Batman, we're talking about Damian Wayne. That means out there in the world somewhere is a Dick Grayson and he's yeah. probably already protecting his city as Nightwing. So yeah. if there's a Nightwing out there, there's also maybe a Teen Titans out there. That's a perfect segue in for Blue Beetle. And the comics have shifted to Titans being the main protectors of Earth. So there's definitely this idea of like, I fully think we're going to get a Nightwing who's like a full-time cop kind of thing is going to happen. I think we're at that phase now in DC, and I think that the main public is so ready for that. We do not need to see someone's parents die in the alley anymore. We're done with that. He, we get he's Batman. <laughs> what? So. <laughs> you don't want to see another Batman origin story? I mean, dude, I don't know if you know, right? But his parents were killed in an alley, and what? he just never got over it. You know, <laughs> and that fueled his need to save his city from corruption. Spoiler um, alert for the last really like five Batmans. That. 
again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. They never even talk about it. How I mean, like, there's one time where they show it's it's uh, Joker, it's Jack Nicholson's Joker. Other than that, they never really talk about how you know they never mention Joe Chill. And it would be funny if they like at one point did the Joe Chill storyline. I think it would be nice to be like, hey, look, it's just some random bad guy. It wasn't anybody crazy. Let's get into our reviews. We first have Transformers: Rise of the Beast. We're going to lightly try to avoid spoilers, but I know that there's a big thing at the end that everybody's already discussing that you're just going to have to hear about, guys. So we'll get into it. Thomas, you want to break down this movie for us? Sure. <laughs> I'm like, how do I do light spoilers on this? Uh, it's a OK, so I will start with this. I didn't have major expectations for this movie. I went in just, you know, super low ground level. Like, I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to watch robots beat each other up. And I'm going to see robots where animals turn into other robots. Like, this is just going to be a, a, a wild time. And I as I was watching, I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. Like Anthony Ramos character is like really cool. Uh, he he does such a good job in the movie. And then you fill it in with a pretty unique Autobot and Maximal story. And it really works well together. There's a lot of funny moments. The voice acting cast is stellar. Like, I didn't realize Pete Davidson's Mirage was so big, but he plays a large role in the movie. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And he's and it's funny. You know, it's Pete Davidson. He's like yeah. a lot of the laughs in the beginning of the movie are from him. And then Anthony Ramos has this like adorable little brother he's taken care of. And they and the little brother is so Brooklyn. He's so like, hey, you protect my brother. I'm gonna beat you down in the robots, you know. And it, yeah. it, that all really works. Uh, and the Maximals are cool. So you know, it, it gets over the top towards the end, but it's what you want. It's like this all-out battle with the Maximals and Autobots versus all of these like just Decepticon creatures, and they're just like beating them down. Explosions everywhere. So that part of it's awesome. How does how does the Maximals work with the Transformers world? Does it feel like because they had to have been here the entire time, right? I'm my Maximal references are from the 90s cartoon. So kind of keeping that in mind. It's so confusing. I watched this recap of all the Transformer movies. I don't know if this is a soft reboot or if this is a continuation. I, I don't know at all. And I haven't watched any of the last movies to like really dive deep to to care. So again, I didn't know where it was. All I know is it feels like it was connected to Bumblebee. And yeah, from my understanding, this is a sequel to Bumblebee, not to those other ones. I could definitely be wrong on that. Bumblebee was good. I liked that one. Bumblebee was awesome. Yeah. And this feels like it's connected to that. There is nods. It feels like to the early movies with Michael Bay. But again, this feels to me almost like its own thing. And it works really well that way. But there's also some like time warpy stuff involved with it. And and that's still it kind of adds to the story. It makes it unique. It kind of allows the Maximals to meet the Autobots and they're not like best friends when they first meet. So that mm -hmm. also kind of adds to it, too. Interesting. OK. Yeah. Um, what would you grade this? Let's get a grade on this one. For the, uh, for the folks letter grade. Letter grade. Yep. Ooh, um, I'd say solid B plus, maybe a minus like it really for it wow, it's me. way higher than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, it like really surprised me. I had a ton of fun. The audience in the theater, it was, just, you know, an early screening. So usually when you go to those things, everybody's a super fan, you know, right. super nerd. And they're just stoked. Right. So it got a ton of out loud laughs. It got a ton of applause. There's this moment in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but a, a character really gets their chance to shine a fan favorite character. And that was awesome. What they do with the human characters in it, I think, was really well done. 
I, I don't remember what the girl's name is off the top of my head, but she's uh, something Fishback, Dominique Fishback, mm-hmm. I think. She's awesome as well. And yeah, it was like a tighter story than I was expecting. And then, yeah, you get the cool transforming action of just like robot on robot, like decimation is it was tight. Let's okay. We're going to go into deep spoilers here, guys, for the end of the movie. So if you have to, Scott, go, no, 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 no. Plug your ears if you need to. (laughs) I know you're a big fan, but. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm. I was so like, Woo, I'm gonna go watch all this. <laughs> I mean, this actually got me really excited though for this Transformers universe they're building. Can you break down this crazy ending that everybody's talking about? Yes. So yeah, super spoilers on this one. Um, but I literally leaned over to my friend before and I was like, "How cool would it be if you know Hasbro figured out a way to make the GI Joes a thing?" And so the whole movie, Anthony Ramos's character is like having a really hard time. He's trying to be a good guy and he's trying to get a job, you know, a really good job to like support his family and he can't get a job. So he goes in for a job interview and the guy knows what adventure he just went on with the Transformers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's like doing the typical interview thing. And at the end, he's like, I know where you just were opens up this booklet, slides it over to him and boom, in bold letters, it's like the GI Joe program. And then this like office room transforms into this hangar and there's all this crazy like tech and ships in there and stuff. And the whole crowd, including me, was like, so I just, uh, yeah, I, I want a good Transformers. Uh, sorry, I want a good GI Joe movie so bad. Uh, as I was telling you, let's talk about memorabilia. How did I not bring this up? Every Christmas, my grandpa would send me one G.I. Joe that was like a collector's edition. And I mm-hmm. still have them all in boxes. I never opened them up, even since I was like a, a 10 year old, you know. So I have this huge box of, of G.I. Joe's. And oh man, it just makes me so excited. I hope they do something really well with it. And yeah, just make me a good G.I. Joe movie. I'll be fired up. And this, this seems like it opens the door for that. Yeah, it kind of feels like the Avengers Initiative moment with, uh, with Nick Fury yes. walking in on Iron Man. Yes, so, it did. That's cool. It did. And it got me hyped like that. I was not expecting that from this movie at all. And man, so sick. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the same toy company, but now when we watch the Barbie movie, if I don't see somebody slide over a, a folder to Ken at the end of this, I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> I don't see yeah. Ken, welcome to the G.I. Joe initiative. <laughs> yeah. Go Joe, Ken. <laughs> All right, guys, let us know what you guys think about Transformers. Uh, we're going with B plus or A minus. Pick one. If I can make the graphic. Another B plus. All right, B plus. We're giving it a B plus, guys. Uh, yes, we are doing grades again, and that just helps break out. So we're hope- moving on over to Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We have the season two, episode one premiere. We're back in action. Scott, can you give us a rundown of what this episode is about or where we're at in the story for all of Strange New Worlds? Oh, wow. Well, okay, so I just... I just binged the entire first season and that episode um, yesterday. Nice and fresh then. So, yeah. yeah, I've got a lot of Star Trek in my brain. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, you know, the season finale left us, you know, there was no like storyline being continued. There was no cliffhanger. So uh, we just kind of start out. Um, they're going into space dock for maintenance and, you know, the captain had to go do something. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, the I I'm really Una. bad with the names, but yeah, there was the Una one gets officer. captured. Yeah, yeah the like one Una. officer was arrested for you know violating the eugenics laws, uh, mm-hmm. for being it was Illyrian, I think she it was called yeah. the race. Um, 
And so he goes off to try and defend her. We don't really see much of that. Uh, we I see think it's going to be episode two is all about like him trying to save her, basically, I think. Right, probably. Uh, so you see, you know, Spock is acting captain and they get a, Ahura gets a, you know, notices a weird message from this mining planet. Mm-hmm. And it's from the other officer who has gone off on her own. And yeah. La-on, it's like right? a, is that what uh, it is? Lawn, yeah, it's Lawn Nguyen. Singh. La-on, yeah. yeah, uh, like I said, bad with the names. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they go off to help her. Turns out it's a, a big Klingon plot. You know, some Klingons want to get the war going again. Important note separate as Klingons, it's separate as humans as well. So, it's not like the actual right. Klingons, which I think is. It's such a tentative moment in Star Trek history right now where it's real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they've, they've been at war with the Klingons until very, very recently. They, they are finally in a peace mode. This mining planet is actually a shared territory where the, you know, the Federation gets it for 30 days and they can do mining. And then the Klingons get it for 30 days and they can do mining. So it's, yeah, it's, it's separate as Klingons, you know, who were like, no, like we have to be at war because we're warriors, you know? And so they're, they're trying like how the humans to... are like, we got to be at war because it's good for business. It's like, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. yeah. We're capitalists. Like us. <laughs> humans are capitalists at our core, you know? Um, so yeah, the, the Klingons get this, you know, Federation tech and they get a, a starship. I assume maybe it was, you know, crashed or something there. They built the starship tech by tech how cool is that like oh is that how it was yeah I, so I like that's why they were building like it, it on nuclear like, explained yeah they then yeah, built the ship piece by piece and then just be like hide it you know and then they're gonna use yeah it. i thought maybe it was you know that was one thing i was trying to figure out i was thinking maybe it was um like it had crashed on the planet during the yeah. war you know so they just like rebuilt it there underground but yeah either way they, they pop up with this federation ship that they've pulled together from i guess parts that they've found on their their journeys. Um, And they're going to attack, like suicide attack this Klingon cruiser, which is of course going to start the war. So, you know, there's the Enterprise hiding in the rings of the planet like the Enterprise does. And uh, because we haven't seen that before. Um, (laughs) And and they, you know, chase him down and they shoot him. Um, And then, you know, of course the Klingon commander is like, you're attacking us. We're going to kill you. And I don't believe in logic and reason you bulk and piece of junk. And uh, Spock <laughs> talks him down. They have a big party at the end. Um, and of course, you know, they get back and there's no repercussions for anything. You know? Of course. Um, yeah. You know, Spock gets off with a warning because they stole the Enterprise out of space dock. They had to come up yeah. with this plot make it look like an emergency just so they would let they were like oh you know you're gonna explode you have to leave the space dock get out of here and they were like okay and then they left and and space dock the federation you know is like um hello starfleet here you just stole the starship our flagship you know the enterprise is always a flag i really liked in this episode two of my favorite things about this episode first off spock starts the episode uh we saw in the end of last season he loses his control over his emotion for those I who really, know Star Trek, Vulcans really like have that. yeah, Vulcans have a lot of emotion. It's just that they train all their lives to suppress them. So um, when they do lose them, they're 
out of control. And so, and he's half human, so it doesn't help that either. Um, and it's like a detriment in the beginning of the episode. He's worried about taking command. And then we see by the end of the episode, the fact that he showed aggression, um, initiative, things that were his human side is the reason it worked out with the Klingons. Because if he was just pure Vulcan, logic would have failed that conversation with the, with the um, pissed off Klingon. And I think it was the human side that was like, we got him for you. And yeah. it was like, yeah. So I liked that that was the thing. Um, that guy's awesome. Our, the guy yeah, that plays Spock, I mean, he's so good. He's awesome, uh, yeah. Ethan He's Peck. fantastic. This was a great episode for Spock. Yeah. Uh, we also got a brand new character for the franchise, for the series, uh, played by Carol Kane. This is going to be Pelia, and um, I think she's going to be a really vital piece because she's going to be around. I think we're going to find out that she probably served along Archer, which is a character that doesn't get tied to much of other Star Trek stuff, but Archer's ship was the first Enterprise and stuff like that, and... She's been alive for what feels like forever is all we know. We don't, we know it's basically endless and uh, she was, she's been on earth this the whole time. So she could be really cool, like history piece and right. uh, actually served alongside Spock's mom. Got it. Could you kind of explain what her uh, race is called? Cause I know they were all freaking out about it and they're like, yeah. you're a blah, blah, blah. And they were all like excited. What is, yes. yeah. What is she? Her race is called, I'm looking, I'm looking at her, uh, Lanthanite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they are brand new. It's in, it's created right now. Oh. What cool. it is is they they are the aliens. Uh, according to the, I read the Wikipedia on them, they are the aliens that like live among us. Like I think of like X Files terms. They live among us this entire time, and then in the twenty second century, we find out that aliens have been among us this whole time, and it's them. And they they are almost ageless to where. They've been here since, you know, Civil War. They were here when the Greek were doing their thing. And it's like, oh, I can't wait to find out about this species. That's a cool species to have kind of tied into our history a little bit. So, um, and I'm hoping we find out that Pelia is like, oh, yeah, Socrates, what a jerk. <laughs> like, that's going to be fun. <laughs> <Yeah. out. laughs> she kind of has that attitude, right? I mean, she kind of helps them out, be able to like unlock the ship because yeah. she knows all the systems. She's been around it so long. She knows what actually would constitute an emergency so that they could go off and do their thing for the adventure. And she has this yeah. quirky personality. I think it's going to yeah. work really great with the rest of the cast. She's from, um, I love her in the show called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And she's their landlord. And she's so freaking hilarious in that show. So when she got cast for this, I was like, yes, please be hilarious. And right off the bat, you're like, oh yeah, she's going to be wacky. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any highlights from this episode you guys want to make sure to mention and any predictions for this season based off of what we saw in this one? Scott? Um, you know, it's... So, I, like I said, I watched them all yesterday. I'm really just... There's a lot of things I like about the show, don't get me wrong. It's, it's done a good job. But overall, kind of story feels... And this is a season one issue for a Star Trek series, honestly, is it just kind of feels directionless. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that this season we get, you know, kind of that, that storyline that arches throughout the series, uh, you know, in Star Trek next generation, it's of course the threat of the Borg it's, you know, in deep space nine, it's the Cardassian Bajoran conflict. And then also, you know, the war with the dominion and enterprise it's more kind of free reign, you know, but kind of, it doesn't, this feels like how enterprise handled the situation where it's like, it's about exploring, which is like, right. that's pretty loose. Same thing with TOS was that too. There ended up being a big enemy that 
ended up bringing the universe to, you know, one, not the universe, yeah. but the, the races they had met, it brought them together to fight a common enemy to actually birth the Federation of planets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're just kind of wandering around doing things for the sake of things. Uh, so I'd like to see a more coherent plot line arrive. And I feel like it's going to be the Gorn, which yes. honestly feels kind of shitty. Why don't you like this version of the Gorn? Because it's obviously way different than the Gorn we got in TOS. Well, yeah, I mean, which is like one episode, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One episode of the Gorn in TOS. I mean, they're they're like pirates, basically. Like, who who are the yeah, Gorn? animalistic pirates? They're not pirates. this big... Yeah you know, alliance of planets and races that can bring hundreds of powerful capital ships to a fight. They're just, they're just like bandit, like a bandit tribe. But they are from TOS. We know that they are extremely advanced and they are like a very good hunters. The reason I like the Gorn as a bad guy is because this is a prequel series to TOS. So at the end, we need to get to that point. And in, in the original series, we know that we're not at war with the Romulans, that it's always it's always like on the brink of war with them. And we know that we're we're still in peace, but we're like in that same thing right now where it's like an uneasy peace with Klingons. So we have to still get to that point in seven years, basically. So Gorns are perfect because Gorns, we can go to war with them, have skirmishes, lose many ships, gain new ships. And then at the end, we're at TOS level and we're like, Gorn fight done. All right. What's going on with Romulans now? So I think this is kind of a good like plug in bad guy where it won't affect the timeline at all. And and it works well with TOS when it's just that one Gorn ship that they both get tossed on a planet and have to fight him. Which, of course, the Gorn looked very different. In TOS, there was a guy with a famous zipper on yeah. the back of his suit, like, you know, and now they're actual, like, animals. As someone who's watched a lot of Star Trek, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of over-exploring Vulcan emotion. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, in... They killed off the Andorian, who was pretty cool, right? We haven't had many Andorian characters. I know in that was a any shame. Any of the shows, yeah. they kill him off. Keep Spock. Like I really like Spock's character, and mm-hmm. I really like this actor for Spock. And that you know what, those are big shoes to fill because we've had two pretty impressive Spocks in the past. But I don't like how it just seems like we're honestly rehashing all the same Star Trek stuff. For for me, and I'll just step in here real quick because you guys know way yeah. more, and this is my first time in here. <laughs> that's, I, that's why we want to hear from you, though. But that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know any of this stuff, so it is kind of interesting for me. Like it's a cool concept of because he's half Vulcan, you know, they have to suppress their emotions. But if they let their emotions out, it's like double what we experience as humans. And I'm like, yeah. wow, it's a cool concept, and it probably shouldn't be that surprising, but. Some of that stuff for me as a new person to it is, is kind of cool. And I didn't know any of it. And I like the packaging, I will say. Like, the special effects look good. Oh, yeah. You know, the stories are unique. And, and when you start realizing that it's not just about adventures or whatever, but it's about, like, the cast interacting with each other or these characters kind of learning something about themselves because of how these other races and cultures are, it is kind of cool for me. And I'm impressed. The, the actors in themselves, too, Anson Mount, as, as Pike, mm. Pike is phenomenal. I mean, having uh, Una, Rebecca, Romaine Stamos in there. I don't know if she's Stamos anymore, but Re- Rebecca Romaine in there is like tight. Like they, I, I was slowly sucked into it and I'm learning what Star Trek is about for the first time. And this is the first show where I felt like it's actually doing that for me. 
So I will throw in too, person. as for the Spock thing, this show seems to be exploring his love life more. And like, for example, he got that instrument in this episode, which we see is kind of how he flirts with Uhura in the original series. So like seven years from now, when him and Uhura are flirting back and forth, it's because she's singing while he's playing. And that's in the very actual, I think it's like in the very second or first episode. It's very early on. Um, and so they're setting up like, you know, like we know Nurse Chapel and him won't stay together, t- you know, canon wise. Um, Spoiler alert. Well, I mean, just, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm so. just kidding. Yeah. Um, that Nurse Chapel, though. Oh, my goodness. Oof. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> shout out to that. I, that's something cute. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We mentioned it on TO or on, a, I'm sorry, Trek Freaks, which, you know, that might be coming back in the future, guys. But the uh, Una character and Nurse Chapel are both played by the same actress in the original series which was Gene Roddenberry's wife, the creator of the show's wife, and would later wow. on be the voice for Next Generation Deep Space Nine Voyager of the ship. She's the ship's voice in all the future episodes. So it's it's cool that they brought both characters that couldn't be on screen together now in the same show again. So it's just, it's neat that they did that. That's awesome. Like that. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's good to hear Thomas aside because like, as, as a Star Trek fan who's watched... I mean, every Star Trek except for I, I didn't make it through Voyager before they took it off Netflix. Um, so I haven't finished Voyager, but, you know, so I've, I've seen them all. I've seen most of the movies. And yeah, yeah, to me, it just seems like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're dealing with eugenic stuff again. And oh, we're dealing with Vulcans again. Uh, oh, your emotions. Oh, the pond bar. Oh, the, you know, like they dove really, really deep into like kind of Vulcan lore during Star Trek Enterprise, which I really like with Paul, you know, because there was a lot like Spock was a little more distant, you know, in the original series, of course, the original series didn't last very long. Tuvok did a good job with the Ponfar too, which I can't wait for Thomas to experience what the Ponfar is. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like I I didn't make it far enough into Voyager, I think, to really see, you know, Tuvok deal with stuff, but I'm sure I would have because I know, oh yeah, it's a Vulcan just so, real quick, you know, just to kind of we'll explain see. the pond far every, I think it's a couple of years, they go into heat and they have to breed. And if they don't, they go fucking crazy and tear shit up. So, um, wow. these like yeah, their super, emotions get completely out of control. Yeah. So these like super <laughs> stoic people also like, I'm so horny. I'm going to destroy enterprise. <laughs> and so they have to breed. And so like for Voyager Tuvox across the galaxy from his wife. <laughs> and yeah. so he's just like, and so vi- finally in that season, they like, Hey, here's a here's a, a hologram version of your wife. Go to town, bro. Whoa. <laughs> and gets it out of his system. But that yeah, reminds like, me of uh, Professor Zoidberg fever and everything. <laughs> yeah, remember Professor Zoidberg for Futurama? Yes, Same thing. It's exactly Every year like he had that. to like go in and like he had to breed or whatever. That's yeah. too great. Okay, it's good uh, stuff. Yeah, I don't know if I should be excited about that or not, but <laughs> it's I, always I mean, funny. Episodes. I am intrigued. <laughs> yeah. You always have like the most calm person, even like Spock in the original series. Like, you know, whenever he got pissed off, it was always like, what's Leonard Nimoy doing? He's freaking out. You know, it's always fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, guys. Speaking of Pod Far, man, Spock's yeah. fiance, too. Goodness. Yeah, to ping. He's he's got Bring, all yeah. the all the best ladies, you know. He I does, mean, but we know with to ping, it doesn't work out well either. Like, we know that one's gonna get real ugly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. either way, they the yeah, there's some two very attractive attractive women there box the lucky man i love that they in cable guy which is such a good movie they reenact 
they reenact the fight scene where Spock fights for Taping from the original yeah. series. And, and, and they brought back the music too. Yeah. It's like, I know that music. Yeah, that's from so the cable good. guy, which is from Star Trek. Yeah. Oh man. All right, yeah, uh, let's go ahead. Never forget Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, just a real quick note. If you guys listen to Trek Freaks, we, when they reviewed that episode, I edited it in and they talked about the music. I didn't edit in the episode fr- the episode's music. I put in Jim Carrey singing Jim it instead. Carrey's- <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it sounds super weird because it's actually Jim Carrey singing it instead. Oh man, it is honestly a super underrated movie, and it, I yeah. think one of the best scenes from the '90s. Straight it's up, it's so good. That is such a good movie. All right, let's head into some network news before we head out. Uh, those patrons, please make sure you guys update your address. Uh, Scott, you're one of them. Make sure you guys update your address because the five-year patron gifts are ordered and they're going to be shipping out. So I'm going to be getting them in about a week and a half, and then at that point, I ship them out to you guys. So make sure, and I go off the addresses that are on your Patreon account. So please make sure those are all up to date. Season one finale for Disney Moms Gone Wrong is out now. Uh, they did the Little Mermaid. Uh, the audio for it, I mean, if you're a fan of Little Disney Moms, you're not surprised by this. Not great. I just talked to Diana about it and she doesn't know what happened, but apparently very echoey. So um, season two, we already we joked around about like Frank's going on a road trip. And he's going to go to everybody's houses and fix their fucking mics one last time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it's a really good episode. They really get into a, a pretty heated debate over there over um, uh, the Little Mermaid and the the, uh, the validness of the live action movies and stuff like that. So check that out. And then who's got next game <clears throat> podcast? Two things. They got a special guest coming up on this next episode. Really cool episode. It's all about arcade gaming and uh, its effects on their childhood. And then they have their first live episode that they... Have recorded and it's coming up in a couple weeks that they did down in the Phoenix area. So check that out, guys. That's Who's Got Next Game Podcast. Really solid podcast uh, from the Tyler crew. But uh, that's it for us this week, guys. Again, check out Headlines where we have the daily headlines. We have Geek Chat on Friday uh, with uh, Thomas and myself. Join us over on Challenge Accepted where we are doing a food drive and uh, getting some food into the food banks and making sure that people get fed in January. I'm excited for yeah, that. It's really absolutely. Fun. And if you want to see Frank in a Seahawks hat, definitely listen to Challenge Accepted because, yeah, we need to make that happen as well. Uh, yeah. So let's make sure we get enough in this. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that and I can get him in a Cowboys hat. All Yay. right, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us this week and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.